Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, a book podcast for parents, teachers, and writers, and anyone who loves to read. I'm Heather Kaufman-Peters. I'm the mother of one adult son, a preschool teacher, and a writer. And I'm Margie Ozimet. I'm the mom of two boys. I'm a teacher and a writer. Welcome to episode 83, the episode where we talk about some hot off the presses. Um, but first, I got a question. Where do you find your books? That's a good Since question. We're talking about hot the press. Yeah, I was thinking about that because I definitely follow social media groups just like everybody else. I don't do book talk. My husband won't let me get on TikTok. So <laughs> I think it's good. You know, it's a gateway drug. <laughs> but you should get on Instagram because it's not so bad. Because if you're on Facebook, they already have all your stuff anyway. Oh, I know. I should definitely do that one because I do love the pictures of all the books. But yeah, so I find most of mine on Facebook, I have to say. But I follow mostly like groups of people who like genres I like, like fantasy genres, Mm -hmm. historical fiction. I follow one that's mostly new releases, which is kind of fun. Um, One that has like follows uh, Reese Witherspoon's Rex, you know, and talks about those books. Which I got to say, those are usually good. Way better than the Oprah's. That's where I found the one I'm talking about today. And I know a lot of people that say they're like, oh, I read all of the ones that Reese Witherspoon recommends. Yeah. Sometimes they're like, oh, that one was a miss. But most of the time, everybody's pretty excited about whatever she's talking about. So she's got great taste. And then the other thing is I do keep a track, uh, keep track of a lot of the awards that are out there. I know, um, like speaking of that, congrats to the Coretta Scott King Award winners this year. And then there's also like the Young Adult Library Services Association had some winners that you could should check out. It's the YALSA group. Um, oh, also on a side note, before we get too far into this, uh, last episode, I mentioned that the Caldecott winners had made me realize like I'd kind of fallen behind on what's new in picture books. Uh, so I spent some time at my favorite bookstores and online groups and put together a pick six for us today of oh, picture nice. books just at the end. I'll do it really quick. It won't take very long, but, um, yeah, so I got six picture books for new releases since, since we're going with hot off the presses today. Good. Cause I don't know crap about picture books. I felt bad because I've been kind of uh, falling back on my tried and true ones lately at the preschool. So I was super excited. Where do you find your books, Margie? Where do you go? I do find a lot on Instagram. I find um, a lot, again, because I kind of go for different genres. I don't usually pick the sort of normal fiction. <laughs> like if it's if it's sort of like a crowd fave, that's probably not for me. Um, just and if it's I don't know. I, I'm kind of picky on the books that I like. And I really like really quirky, odd, off-the-wall books. So I tend to follow like quirky, odd, off-the-wall authors and then what their recommendations are. So mm-hmm. um I like I love Jenny Lawson. She's one of my all-time favorite writers. And she's got she's got a, a in Texas, she has a, a the Nowhere Bookshop and she has the oh, Nowhere yeah. Book Club or Misfits Book Club or something like that. She, her website is amazing. That bookstore website is uh like a gold mine for weird books. Um, you can find all kinds of great recommendations for just weird stuff because she's weird and I love it. And she, <laughs> she had a great blog post yesterday about like uh, the internet is like where weirdo women help weirdo women. And I'm oh, like, I love it. That's a hundred percent. Yeah, it is. Weirdos helping weirdos on the interwebs. Um, so I find a lot there. I uh-huh. usually, if she's recommended it, I'm usually good with that. And then uh, the Jeff, Jeff Kinney has his bookshop here in, um, in Massachusetts, The Unlikely Story. And they send out a really useful newsletter a lot with new releases or who's coming or what's out there and recommendations. I kind of value those more than anything else because I value booksellers. They know what they're talking about. They know yeah. 
what's new and what comes in. And I like speculative fiction a lot. I don't like realistic fiction that much. Um, so it's kind of hard to find stuff in my little corner of the world. So I kind of like to ask somebody who knows. And then, of course, my the librarians. I was going to say, you have the best librarians. I do. Yeah, we have great librarians. And they're always like, here's what you'd like. So it's it's hard if you don't know what you like. I think that's the hard thing. And I think the Oprah Book Club started that here, let me give you recommendations. But those recommendations were not really for the average reader. A lot of times they were too much. Some of those Oprah books were like too lofty. She did the classics. She did. And then she got into like some of like Joyce Carolette's weird stuff. And she got into like some really heavy, heavy stuff. Maybe that was fine in that time period, but I don't think in this world, people aren't looking for heavy, heavy stuff like that. Mm -hmm. For the most part, people are, you read a book to escape and people want an escape in whatever way that might be. Like for me, I like to escape to dystopian fiction, but that's a little dark for some people. But um, I think that Reese Witherspoon's selections tend to be very Mm all-encompassing. She reads like a, a lot of different, um, types of books, different types of main characters. She's she doesn't usually read my kind of stuff, but I every so often, if I'm looking for a little normie book, I'll pick her up. Um, <laughs> and I found some good stuff there. So yeah, I agree with yeah. you about the bookstores. I definitely follow two of my favorite bookstores here, or I'll stop in and see what they're highlighting and what's new. And but yeah, I just got a newsletter from the kids bookstore here that had a bunch of great picture books too. So they're great. Um, NPR has good ones too. Uh, and, oh, yeah. NPR has good book lists on there a lot. I, uh, New York I Times like what, says, too. Yeah, the yeah. New York, I do use the New York Times, but sometimes the New York Times, it's so full of smoke. Sometimes I'm like, <laughs> I read that book. That book You're like, did somebody pay a lot of money to get this on exactly. this list? <laughs> like, that, that really, that was not the book I was looking for. <laughs> but um, And a lot of times, Book Riot has great Oh, yeah, yeah. There as well. So you can just sometimes I'll look, oh, what are the best 20, you know, what are, what were the best uh, mm-hmm. speculative fiction books or the be- best reads of 2023? Or I'll look up like I like there was one book, um, Bunny Bunny, excuse me, which was one of my favorite books. And it is so weird. It's just <laughs> so very, very weird. And there's just nothing a lot of things out there like it. So I'll type in, literally, give me a book like Bunny Bunny or something. Oh, yeah. Like and, and find things that way. They're hit or miss, but it, it helps. Yeah. You can find mm-hmm. it. It's hard to find things that you really get into. If once you've read like that, are all of everything that author did, then you're like, oh, oh I know. And then you have to go, yeah, you have to go to your groups and be like, can anyone recommend something like this author? You know, which can be hit or miss too, but sometimes you can find some winners in that. I don't tend to pass my books on or my recommendations on because I've yet to find anybody who really wants my recommendations. <laughs> my first I'm like, oh my God, like I sent your husband my one of my favorite books. I'm, and he was probably like, um, what is wrong with her? But I thought he might enjoy that one. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess we shared all our secrets, trade secrets out there now. I guess we should yes, talk so. about the books we picked for today. How'd you pick your book for today? Um, it was, uh, on my Reese Witherspoon group, they had talked about it and it's brand new. It just came out in January and I looked it up and read more about it. I'm like, that sounds good. I found mine on Instagram and then I went and read a little bit more about it. I'm like, oh yeah, this sounds like me. All right. Shall we share? Let's get started. Welcome to the Tulip Mamas book chat. For episode 83, Margie and I are both chose a new release uh, to share with you from the grown-up section of the bookstore this time. Do you want to start us off, Margie, please? 
I do. So I found him on an Instagram. I right away requested it. And it was because it came out the beginning of January 2024. And I requested it like the day it came out and I got it from my library because that's how my library system. Thank you, South Shore Library System. You're amazing. Um, they brought it right in. And I, I am the first reader. I love to be the first uh, reader on a book, don't you? Yeah. I feel like, yeah, this is me. I, I have the first person to check it out. I'm the first person to read it. I, <laughs> I feel like I'm on top of the world. So I read The Fetishist by Catherine Min. And this has got such an intriguing story that I didn't even know about until I was done with the book. And I read the afterword because I was like, why is there this like huge chunk at the end of the book? Because the book was done. The story was done. And I was like, OK, I'm like, all right, well, I'm I'm satisfied. I mean, it's realistic fiction. I'm not so into that. But um, then it started to explain the whole story. So Catherine Min wrote this book. This is a posthumous publication, and I had no idea. Oh, wow. She wrote this book in 2014. And in 2014, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And she said, at that point, I'm not writing fiction anymore. She had written a lot. She would published a lot. She won tons of awards and things like that. And she's like, I'm turning away from fiction. I have other more important things to do now. It's almost like she knew, like her time was limited. And she didn't want to, she didn't want to use that time for fiction. And she put it away. And that was the end of that. She died of cancer in 2019. And her partner and her daughter found this book then after she passed. And they were like, well, wait a minute. This book is done. Except for like things here and there. But there was no note. She never mentioned it to them. She never said, hey, guys, publish this when I'm dead. Or um, if you want something, take a look at this. Nothing. There were no instructions, which then left them even more baffled. Like, what are we supposed to do with this? So her daughter um, was kind of struggling, you know, obviously struggling with the death of her mother, but she also kind of couldn't find her niche. She didn't, I think she said in one of the, I think it was a Wall Street Journal or uh, excuse me, Washington Post interview where she's like, she didn't want to be a writer because she'd never be able to be as good of a writer as her mother. She was the polar opposite of her mother. Her mother was very sort of live life to its fullest, very outspoken. And she was more of a shy, reserved girl. So she... um, had she had a degree in English, she'd been teaching English, she'd been waiting tables, she just couldn't quite find her niche. When her mother died, she decided that it was that was what she should do. She should become a writer. And she went back and got her MFA. And in the course of that, she decided to release the book and sort of nurture the the fetishist into the world. So that's what she did. And she was writing her own stuff at the same time, but she also um, was getting this book ready to publish. And she said, like, most of it was there. There were a few links that she that needed to be made between the main characters. So in the original version, the two main female characters never connect. And she changed that so that the connection happened at the, at the very end. Um, Cause she wanted to be able to, you know, kind of bring it to fruition at the end. Mm-hmm. She made a few other little things here and there, but she said, you know, it was the process of just kind of, it had been, it was done. It was completely done, except she said there were a couple notes, which is so me. I, I understand that she found a couple notes in the book that were like, oh, solve this problem later and then moved on with the rest of the story. <laughs> yeah. So she, so she was like, okay, I was left to solve the problem, which you mm-hmm. know, now I had to solve this problem or whatever. But um, yeah, so that she, she uh, that that's the story behind the book, which gave me a completely different perspective on the book. Nowhere also does she, she didn't put her name anywhere on the book, which I think is so like, it wasn't like edited, uh, supervised, nothing. She, it's completely. And if you didn't know the story and you didn't read the afterward, you would have no idea that Catherine Min did not write this book and intend for it to be published a hundred percent on her own after her death or anything like that, which I think is really cool. And what a great daughter. I'm just saying Mm -hmm. what an amazing gift, Mm -hmm. what an amazing gift to a mother. So 
Anyway, all right. That's the story behind the book. The story of the book is um, it starts off. It's got two main characters, Koyoko Tokagawa. And she's this punk girl who she's a she has a punk band. She's very um, quiet and reserved. But when she's on stage, she's like this super aggressive punk. Right. She's an artist. She lives with her boyfriend. He's a sushi chef, um, but he's also a giant massive black guy who the Japanese little Japanese guy who owns the sushi shop kind of took under his wing. They met through that connection. And um, she's decided at the very beginning of the book that she is going to kill Daniel Carmody. Daniel Carmody is a violinist and he is um, he's a professional violinist. He has been all over, toured all over, blah, 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 cha, cha. But he currently he has a quartet that plays for people in hospice. So if you're dying and you want to die to violin music, you can call Daniel, which is I'm not sure. I've yet to decide if it was gross or beautiful. I'm still kind of mixed on that. Jury's still out on if that one. But the problem with Daniel is he also has a fondness for Asian women and um, thus the fetishist. He is the fetishist. And one of those women happened to be Koyoko's mother. Koyoko's mother then died as a result of Daniel's actions in her mind, as, as far as Koyoko was concerned. That's why she wants to avenge her mother's death by killing Daniel to show him how horrible he is. Are there missing pieces of logic? Yes. But were we all not 25 once? Yes. So there we go. <laughs> so her, her mother killed herself. Her mother died by suicide. She went into a very deep, deep depression that she could never kind of get out of. It all sort of resulted in, she, she ended up divorcing uh, Kuyoko's father early on. And then she became a, a very heavy drinker and just was just, she just struggled and eventually killed herself. None of that helped the fact that then Koyoko had to go live with her father and his new wife who hated her and wouldn't even really respond to her at all. So we all know now why Koyoko is a mess. So she tries to kill Daniel, but things don't quite go as planned. And instead, she and her boyfriend end up kidnapping him because <laughs> it didn't quite work out the way they planned for it to be. Meanwhile, simultaneously in California is Alma. Alma is Daniel's former, um, she was a cellist to his violinist. They played in Italy. They were all over the place. And she's his former fiance. Alma, however, is, um, she's got rapidly progressing multiple sclerosis and she can no longer play. And because she can no longer play, her life has kind of been falling into disarray and she's becoming more depressed and she decides to kill herself because of this. But she doesn't get the job done because her BFF, who happens to be the gay neighbor next door, comes and finds her and rushes her to the hospital. And she spends 22 days in a coma. But while she's in that coma, she's reliving her life with Daniel. And what the where did the mistake happen? Before all of this happens, Daniel gets a message right before he gets kidnapped on the other side of the country in, in Boston. But he's like, uh, gets a message from her saying, I forgive you. And he's like, oh, no, something's wrong. But then he can't get there because he's an emotional wreck as well. Oh, and then P.S. he gets kidnapped and held in a basement for a while because they tried to kill him but couldn't get the job done. So these whole stories, now we have the story of Koyoko who kind of comes in and out, in and out, in and out. But the story of her mother, Daniel and Alma start to interweave. And now we can kind of understand. So the story is really about Alma and Daniel. And Koyoko is kind of just the driving force behind it to get things started. Um, and we see her again at the end and she comes and goes and we sort of see her growth and her character arc is really interesting as well. 
I could say more, but I don't want to give more away because it's it all sort of intertwines and intermingles. And it's very much just like a nice piece of realistic fiction. There's nothing in it where you're like, uh, that's unbelievable. There's nothing in it where you're like, oh, this would never happen. Why is this happening in this book? Um, it's just a nice story. It's interesting because Catherine Ming's daughter said that she felt like the two characters, Koyoko and Alma, were like two versions of her, her, her mother. Like her mother wrote the story that took place between the two versions of herself and the two kinds of herself. And I think that's probably why she wanted so much to get this book out into the world. It's gotten really mixed reviews. I will say that it's gotten around a three to maybe a three point two five rating. It's not gotten great rave reviews. It does not in any way, shape or form feel dated, even though it was written Mm -hmm. in 2014. It doesn't feel dated at all. It doesn't feel unfinished it doesn't feel and it just came out in january of this year yeah just came out okay just just came out 10 years later okay yeah i mean it's a it's a it's a story and it's got an ending and it's you know satisfying and everything it's more like almost like a love story or a story of self-discovery so it's just a you know it's a fine piece of fiction it is a nice exploration into why people like daniel who are only attracted to asian women and why that happens and then are these women just interchangeable to them so that it's that's kind of a nice subtext that you read that's really you can read a lot into and that koyoko really especially pulls that out a lot i wish there was more about that i kind of that's what got me into this book that's why i was so interested in this book because i wanted to know more about that but it wasn't really as meaty in in the book as i wished it would have been i wish it would have kind of delved into that a little bit more but it did not so i don't know it was weird i just it just wasn't what i was on so many levels it wasn't what i expected I had no idea that it was a posthumous um, publication. I had no clue about any of that, which, again, like I said, made me love the whole book more because I was like, wow, this is crazy interesting. And I really thought the main character starts off so strong and so weird. Like, Koyoko is so weird and so aggressive, and it just sort of peters out from her end. Her end does not, she doesn't stay in the story enough for me personally mm. that's my own take on it i would i would like to see more of her in the story as well as alma i mean alma's story with con- connection with daniel was interesting but i would like to see more uh Koyoko and how things happen to her so she's because she's a super interesting character we just didn't get a lot of her so that's it it's interesting we are all a wreck and it just sort of depends on when you get reckoned <laughs> that was the fetishes by Catherine min and what'd you read I read, or actually I listened to it because everyone was raving about the audio version of this book, which was fantastic. So I decided to listen to it, but it was The Heiress by Rachel Hawkins. It came out at at the beginning of January, 2024. Uh, The story centers around three main characters and their POVs. So first is Ruby McTavish. She's a North Carolina's richest woman who is also celebrity and somewhat notorious. She was kidnapped as a small child back in the 40s <laughs> under very odd circumstances, but was recovered and returned then and went on. So she was kind of famous in the area. Everyone was happy to have, you know, baby Jessica back, kind of that whole thing, <laughs> we, as we can relate to in the 80s, right? Then she went on to marry four different men who all died sadly, tragically. Oh, And everyone just couldn't believe her bad luck her whole life, you know. Shocking. I know. And then the other characters in this book are her adopted, kind-hearted son, Camden, and his wife, Jules. 
I, like I said, I listened to the story, so it was great. All the actors did a great job. So you had all these different actors playing the role. Oh, they used different actors for each one? Yeah. Oh, I love when they do that. Okay. It was really great. Sometimes it's hard because then you lose track of each character because they're in a different voice all the time. But this one was so well done. It was so well done. It was great. It's basically a confessional story of Ruby's life. But then there's also like confessions uh, about the married couple and the secrets that the married people can keep from one another and that kind of thing, too. So it was sort of interesting for that. Um, Camden has left home in the, you know, as the story starts, hoping never to return because Ruby has set him up to be hated by the entire McTavish family for being a last minute heir. She adopted him. Um, she's the, she inherited all of her family's fortune, all of her husband's fortune, her sister and her, uh, grandson or her sister and her grand nephew are left and great granddaughter. I think it is are left just hoping to, for her to die to, so they can inherit everything. And what does she do? She goes and adopts a son and leaves. But how old to was him. he when, how old was she? He was little. I mean, she was like in her, gosh, how old was she when she adopted him? She was a little bit older, like 40s or 50s, maybe. But how old was he? Was he a child? He was a child. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, the whole family hates him, basically. Well, that's not his fault. I know. It's not. It's sad. <laughs> so, anyway, no, he has him. washed his hands of the entire family. He has moved to California as far away from them as he can get. And Ruby ends up dying and he just stays in California. He meets his wife, Jules, there and they're living a nice, happy life, simple life in California. He did inherit everything. He inherited the huge estate that the McTavish family has in this small town where they rule like kings in North Carolina. And he just refuses to use any of it. He's working as a teacher at a boys high school. She, his wife is, uh, she was an actress and she was, um, but you know, not like a successful actress. She was like a yeah. failed actress and she's working at a historical reenactment place. We all can recognize yeah. those kind of places as uh, like, a, I forget what she was doing, like a butter churner or something like that. Nice. And they're renting a, a two-bedroom apartment, and they're just living a nice, simple life because he doesn't want to touch the money. He doesn't want to have anything to do with it. And then his uncle died, so his wife kind of thought, oh, he'll want to go back home then. Because she starts to get kind of curious about, like, what is the deal? Where did with he that? come from? Yeah. yeah, where did he come from? What's What's the deal? Why does he hate everyone? So she kind of wants to go back. And then the opportunity comes up where his uh, cousin reaches out to him that the estate is falling into disrepair and that he still holds all the purse strings. So he really needs to come back and start taking care of stuff. So she talks him into doing it. Just go for a little while, like a couple of weeks. We'll go figure everything out, get all the contractors going and then come back home. But it's crazy because the whole thing, like I said, is confessional. So throughout the whole story, Ruby is dead at this point. I was just going to say, but Ruby's dead, right? Yeah, but we're getting letters that she's writing to someone throughout the whole thing, confessing everything in her whole life. Oh, she killed all the husbands. I'm not giving anything away. And then there's like, so when you think you're done with all of her confessions and then all the confessions of Camden and Jules start to come out to you, it's kind of, it's got like a very knives out kind of vibe to it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's kind of on that, that genre that's really popular right now. I also really like the story because I like any kind of fictional work that explores making the reader like really terrible human beings. Yes. 
You know what I'm saying? I So it definitely does that in a very funny and entertaining kind of way. All the POVs are very conversational and fun and make you feel like as a reader, you're in on everything and they're talking to you directly. I mean, it's like high drama, <laughs> um, but, you know, the love-hate characters, all that stuff. It, it's, it's, it kind of made me think of like the perfect beach read. Like I would be super happy sitting on a beach, reading this book, laughing at all the crazy stuff that goes on. Okay. That's what I was going to say. Is it like lighthearted enough that you laugh or? Oh, yeah. It's it, funny. It's like, okay. Yeah. It's not like gruesome or gross or anything. Okay. Or too overly emotional. You know, I don't like emotional. No, no. It's not emotional. In fact, that's part of it is that these people have zero emotions. They're okay, like, I can, okay, I can get behind that. They're pretty capable of doing just about anything for themselves and for their family or whatever. So yeah, it was really entertaining. And that was The Heiress by Rachel Hawkins. Super quick read too. I think the audiobook was only like eight hours. Just to clean your house and listen to it and be entertained. Oh, that's good. I'm looking for a new audiobook. You need to read this especially. I don't know what that means. When we originally bonded in college, do you remember yes. the little story you wrote that we bonded over? Yeah, and inspired by Margaret Atwood. Yes, and that is very much a part of this whole story. I think it just oh, made me God, think of that story. Of okay. I know. Right. And I'm sorry listeners that I can't tell you because that would give away the spoilers. So but Margie and I bonded over. Well, let's say we bonded over murder, as we always do. <laughs> we always murder is a habit. Murder's for us. Murder's a thing. Very good. So, All right, good. That sounds fantastic. Well, we had two good ones then. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, I love reading new releases. See what's trendy and what's fun happening, and yeah. happening. That was awesome. All right, so that wraps up the new releases. Um, we'll be right back with a quick pick six of picture books for you. All right. So welcome back. I'm just going to share a quick list of six new release picture books. Uh, super excited about them. The first one is Treehouse Town by Gideon Starer and illustrated by Charlie Miley. It's just as awesome as it sounds. It's a whole story about a town of tree houses and the people who live there and the cool things that they do and all the fun stuff that happens in town. So it's a little bit wordier book. I'd say it's for slightly older kiddos um, in the picture book world, like five to seven area, but it was adorable book. Really fun. That's Treehouse Town by Gideon Stare. Uh, second one is Not a Monster by Claudia Guadalupe Martinez, illustrated by Laura Gonzalez. Oh, this this book. You bought like, it, didn't you? You bought I all did, of these, didn't I you? I saw me look over at my desk. I, mean, yeah, I bought I it. I'm like, you bought I them love all. it. I didn't buy all of these, but I did buy this one. It's adorable. It's a sweet book about axolotls. Isn't Aww. that so cute? I love axolotls. It's almost told like a fairy tale story about their life, you know? And uh -huh. then, and it has Spanish words throughout. It has a lot of like Spanish colors, Spanish words for like uh, rivers or lakes or different things like that. It's great. It's adorable. The art is beautiful. And of course, axolotls, they're so cute. The next one, Margie, you would like this one. It's called A Hundred Mighty Dragons, All Named Broccoli right by David LaRochelle, illustrated by Leanne Cho. It's a funny math book. Um, so you start oh, out with 100 dragons, yeah. and then it kind of adds and subtracts them throughout the story. It's really cute. It's funny. It's silly. The, the illustrations are really silly and fun. 
Um, so that one's super cute. I like math ones because, you know, you don't get that as much. I kind of like, I liked that a lot. Uh, the next one is called Today is for You by Sally Lloyd-Jones, illustrated by Kevin Waldron. It's adorable. This one is more for little ones. It has, you know, very few words on the page, so you can keep them entertained. But it's about making each day an adventure. It, it kind of made me think of like some Dr. Seuss, you know, those ones where it's oh, like, yeah. each day is an adventure kind of thing. It was really fun. The next one is uh, nonfiction. It's called Habitats, A Journey with Nature by Hannah Pang. It's illustrated by Isabel Lundy. The art is gorgeous in this. And this is, again, a picture book for even older kiddos, I might say, second, third grade, fourth grade even. But it, it, it has very specific details about habitats that aren't always covered, like natural Ooh, springs yeah. and scrubland. Margie, you would actually love this one, too. Um, so, yeah. So, like I said, natural springs, scrubland, other really specific um, habitats. And the illustrations are gorgeous. And so that was just a really cool book. Um, and then the last one on my list is Teeny Weeny Unicorn by Sean Harris. <laughs> Again, for more little, little kiddos. And it's about being small in a world made for bigger unicorns. I you mean, I guess you get that for my oldest son. <laughs> <laughs> he's small in a world made for bigger unicorns. <laughs> Actually, he's growing now. So I was going to say he holds his own on the soccer field. So I think he's fine. But. <laughs> So yeah, this one, that one's very perfect for preschoolers because it's super relatable to their world where everything is made for grownups. So that was teeny weeny unicorn, super cute. So those are my six. I'll have them in the show notes. So if you want to look those up, they'll be there uh, and in the blog that we always send out. So, all right. Well, that's I guess so that good. Thank you for bringing those. Were those all award winners or not? No, they're, they're I don't, new trends. They're just all new releases from the last six months or so some of them i think one of them might not even be out yet or was coming out yesterday that might have been today is for you but anyway yeah they're all brand new hot off the presses books i didn't really look to see if there were any award I, probably no award winners in those because they're all brand new because they're brand new yeah how exciting yeah. exciting awesome all I'm right excited. well now there's more things to go look for yeah more books to buy more books to buy oh too little time too many books so that wraps up this episode of Tulip Mamas. Uh, what's up for our next episode, Margie? Well, break out your Franzia because Woo-hoo! we're fangirling again. Yay! Oh, does MPH have a new book out that I don't know? No, we're going to our other one. This time we're going to our boyfriend, James Ponty. Oh, yeah. We're going to his front yard with our box of Franzia and our two lawn chairs. Actually, I believe he lives in Connecticut. I could stalk him. He can't be that far. <laughs> we could just go look for him. I think he's a guy out on this side of the country. So I'll do some. I'll do some checking. We'll find you, James. We'll be bringing our Franzia to you. He's got a whole bunch of. We talked about so much about his first one. Yeah, City Spies. Well, that series has built and built and built, and I believe he's up to like the fourth or fifth one now. So we are splitting them out. I'm reading Mission Manhattan, which is the newest release. And you are going, where are you going? Well, I wanted to read, I'm going to, sorry, but I wanted to read from his other collection called Framed, his crime fighting collection. I wanted to read the newest book in that, if you don't mind, just because I, you know, I like crime fighting and I'm curious about this collection too. Yeah, that's good. I like that. All right. I'm fine with that. Yeah. So I'm going to Manhattan. Actually, I'm going to Manhattan this weekend anyway, so it's fine. But City Spies. And um, you are going to... Well, I'm going to the FBI. Oh, very Jessica Fletcher of you. I know, right? Excellent. 
So that's next week. We're going back to middle grade next week. Sounds great. I can't wait. All right. Thanks for listening. If you want to join us again, please subscribe to the Two Lit Mamas podcast through any of the places you get your podcasts. And if you want to find out what's happening in our worlds and see pictures of my dog in the snow, you can follow us on TWO Two Lit Mamas podcast on Instagram, Two Lit Mamas on Facebook, and of course on our website, www.twolitmamas.com. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye.